Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's great, great, great to see you. So glad you're here. Hey, I, I uh, heard the story from a few years back. You know, my oldest daughter went to Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, one of the, a little bit of the lore over there. Uh, one summer, uh, two ministerial students from uh, Samford University were doing evangelistic work in the summer uh, in the rural communities outside of Montgomery, Alabama. And on one uh, sizzling July afternoon, they pulled their car up in front of a, a farmhouse and proceeded up the path through a gauntlet of running and screaming children and barking dogs. And they walked up on the porch and looked through the screen door, knocked on the screen door, and the lady of the house uh, looked up from her uh, sink full of hot water and dishes and uh, turned and came to the front door wiping her hands with her apron and the perspiration from her brow with her apron, she asked the two young men what they wanted. And one of the young men said, well, ma'am, we would like to explain to you how you can have eternal life. And she hesitated a moment and then said, I appreciate it, but I just don't think I could stand it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Moms, you ever felt that way? Uh, are you already wishing school was back in session? Maybe so, maybe so. You know, maybe if the, uh, maybe if the students had explained uh, a little bit about what life in heaven will be like, she might have been a little more interested in the conversation at the moment. But that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're, we've taken just a couple of Sundays. Last week, we introduced our... Um, study of a little bit about what God's Word says about the gift of heaven. And uh, today, I I want to continue by um, explaining what life in heaven is like uh, from uh, from the Scriptures. And so, um, I'm going to say this several times this morning. Heaven is better than this life, and it makes this life better. We're going to look at both sides of that that statement. So let me describe. Let's jump right in. There's a note sheet in your bulletin, and um, I didn't give you too much room for notes today. But good luck. Grab a pen, and uh, and here we go. There there are at least four aspects of life in heaven. Hey Ryan, give me a little more in the monitor, would you? Thank you. Um, there there's uh, uh, four aspects of of life in heaven that makes it pretty clear to us that heaven is better than, than this life. And here's the first one. Life in heaven will include rest, R-E-S-T, write down that one word, rest. That sounds good to me. The older I get, the better that sounds, rest. And um, the writer in the book of Hebrews has much to say uh, about this. In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, makes a big deal about this rest in, in heaven. Now, when we think of rest, we think of, can I just stop for a moment? Can I just cease from activity? But this, this word from the Bible uh, is much richer 
uh, and weightier in its meaning. Uh, it actually means to experience the reaching or the attaining of a crucial goal. Uh, the, 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 the reaching or attaining of a fantastic goal. Uh, we have goals that we work toward in this life. The ones that are crucial, the ones that are critical, the ones that are important usually are multi-month or multi-year or even multi-decade. And when we get there, it's this wonderful experience that we made it. We made it. The, um, so in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews there are frequent references back to ancient Jewish history that we find in the Old Testament. And we find the story of the pilgrimage of God's people, the descendants uh, of Abraham, set free from 400 years of captivity, slavery in the land of Egypt, making their multi-decade, perilous, toilsome sometimes journey to the land that had been promised Abraham, Father Abraham, by God, Canaan. Uh, we, that's why it's called the promised land. It was promised to the ancient uh, Israelites. And so when, when Hebrews describes them finally arriving and entering into Canaan, uh, he speaks of it as rest, the attainment of an incredibly longed for and pursued crucial goal. Well, a similar rest awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse, beginning in verse 9. It's going to be on the screen. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, <clears throat> make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So, let me see your eyes a second. In heaven, the, the Christian's pilgrimage will cease. The follower of Jesus' pilgrimage will cease and uh, the, that, and I mean by that the end of all struggle against what the Bible calls the flesh. That means our own sinful tendencies in our own heart and our own bodies that war against our life together with God. The battle against the culture that is anti-Christ or that the Bible describes as the world, the world thought and value system that, that battles against your quality life together with Christ. Uh, the devil and the principalities and powers of the air, spiritual forces that battle and war against you on a daily basis to hinder your life together in Christ. All that will cease. And in all opposition, there will be no more fighting against the forces that oppose our life together in God. There will be rest in heaven. That's good. But that's not all. That's one of the reasons that heaven is better than this life. There'll be rest there. But also, life in heaven will include, and write this down, worship. It will include worship. Now, the Bible describes it this way. In the book of Revelation, begin, chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. John, the apostle, seeing this vision from God, writes these words. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar 
of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. Now, I, I, uh, I grew up attending church. I became a, a fo- serious follower of Jesus when I was 17, just before I turned 18. But, uh, but I heard these passages read in my home and at my grandparents' house and in worship services. And I thought, that sounds pretty amazing. But I wonder what a, a roar, a worship that sounds like a roar of thunder and mighty water sounds like. And I never quite could get it until in the summer of 1994, about this time of year, Bill, you were with me. Bob Gregg, uh, who's in heaven now, looking forward to seeing him, who was the director of our men's ministry, gathered a group of us, and we got on a plane early one morning and flew to De- uh, into Denver, rode out to Colorado Springs for one of the first ever Promise Keepers rallies. And we met in the, uh, the football stadium, the arena, at the University of Colorado, and we got there and, and for the first meeting, a beautiful summer morning. Uh, the meeting was supposed to start at 9.30. We were in our places about 8.30. The stadium was filled with men. Uh, all of the, I was looking, at, we were in the upper deck on the east side. I was looking at the west stands, completely packed. Uh, and then the floor, the, the field was covered with men. Uh, they estimated about 100,000 men gathered on that day. Well, a guy stepped up, said it was, we had an hour until the program started and just this sense of uh, great anticipation. And a guy stepped up on the platform and he said, let's try something. He, he divided, he said, let's divide the stadium right down the middle. You guys, when I point to you, I want you to shout in unison, praise the Lord. And then you guys answer, amen. Okay. That sounds good. So he got everybody ready, and he just went on the downbeat. Rogers, just like they'd been rehearsing. I mean, they hit it perfectly. And I was ready for a praise the Lord, but it sounded like the roar of rushing waters. It almost blew us out the back. 50,000 men facing me, shouting at the top of their lungs, praise the Lord. It was incomprehensible. I mean, I make my living using words, and I cannot get the words to describe what that sounded like. Bill, you remember that? You remember that? And then this side shouted back, amen, and then it echoed back. Then that echoed back to us. The Flatirons, have you been been in that stadium in in Boulder? 
Man, it's beautiful. The flat irons in the Rockies are right up behind the western stands. It echoed back off the Rockies to us. And there was just for an hour back and forth. It just never ceased. I thought when the hour's over, I said, hey, let's go home. This is good. This is good. I'm, I've had all I can handle. I can, I, I, you know, it's, uh, it was magnificent. Well, there's going to be that kind of worship uh, in heaven. You see, when we gather every week in obedience to the command of our Lord and out of love and gratitude for his great salvation and grace in our lives, our church family gathers every Lord's day to honor him in worship. And all of the elements of worship, the shouts of praise that may come spontaneously from you, the prayers that are prayed, the songs that are sung, uh, the offerings that are given, the scriptures when they are open and read, uh, the baptisms that are celebrated, the participation in the Lord's Supper, all of the elements of worship that take place are, are meaningful now and bring great pleasure to God now, but they're really rehearsal for eternity. Rehearsal for eternity. It makes, it, it makes us know that heaven is better than this life, but it makes this life better. It makes, it, heaven is better because there's rest there. There's worship there. Third, there's also in heaven, there is serving. Write that down, serving. There will also be serving God's work in heaven. We will have important meaningful, fulfilling, enjoyable work to do for, uh, for God. Uh, some of my, some of my pagan buddies growing up that are still stiff arming Jesus, they like to, they just kind of joke with me about spiritual things and say, well, who wants to go to heaven? Sounds boring to me. No, 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 no boring. So I don't want to sit around and sing all the time. Good. Get up and go to work. There's going to be meaningful work. Some of you, uh, sadly have jobs that you do not like. It's drudgery. And uh, others of us are, are in jobs that are very fulfilling. That's hard work. You get the end of the day, you're really tired. You get the end of the week, you're really tired. It's, but it's fulfilling and you look forward to it. Listen, when we get in heaven, every one of you is going to have a job just like that. Meaningful, serious work. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 19 verse 28. He said, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, if you've got a hard copy of your Bible, circle that word judging in that verse. If you've got an electronic copy, highlight that word in your, uh, in your uh, text there. Judging. It's not really clear precisely what this judging entails, but it is clear that it is some that that some kind of leadership and management of the work of God is involved, and you're going to have some of that responsibility. I'm going to have some of that responsibility, carrying out God's work, partnering with God again for His glory and the accomplishment of His purposes. It makes us assured that heaven is better than this life, but it does make this life better. Heaven's better than this life because there's rest there, because um, there's worship there, because there's serving meaningful work there. And also, heaven is better than this life because there's perfect fellowship there. Write down the word fellowship. And what I mean is friendships. 
relationships, meaningful relationships among believers in heaven. I mean, the writer of Hebrews deals with this also in chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. He says, you've come to Mount Zion, heaven, the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judge with judgments that make us just. There's going to be great, great, great fellowship in heaven. Listen, this idea of sitting down and visiting with people that have gone on before you, that's not just something that a, a southern gospel quartet made up. This is what God says. I, I got a question to ask you. Who are you looking forward to seeing in heaven? I've got some people I'm looking forward to seeing in heaven. Uh, it, it gives us, that's why heaven is better. They're there waiting on us. My mama died in November. I'm looking forward to seeing her. My dad died nine years ago. I'm looking forward to seeing him. My, my grandfather, all my grandparents are followers of Jesus. I'm looking forward to seeing them. But you know, there's some, I'm looking forward to seeing Chuck Floyd, our brother in Christ in this, who, in our own church family. I'm looking forward to seeing John and Ruth Anderson. Who knows who I'm talking about here? One of the, uh, the old, one of the older couples who helped plant this church. I'm looking for, and he went to the Lord, be in heaven a long time ago. Miss Ruth just went to the Lord, see the Lord about a year ago. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a buddy, high school buddy named Stan Slaughter, who died in a high school wrestling match my senior year in high school. He was a believer, one of the few believers in our, uh, in our class at the at the time he beat me there he's going to be there i'm looking forward to seeing him uh, who you you got anybody here got somebody they're looking forward to seeing let me see you hang on let me see you got somebody yeah good let's go see them you know and life's busy now isn't it sometimes i'll say to the lord at the end of the day i said this better be true because i'm not getting to talk to all the people i want to down here I'm not going to have enough time with my buddy Dan McPherson who went to be with the Lord two years ago. Beat me there. I, I'm, even you, I, I get to see all you on Sunday mornings, then you have to go home. And we don't have enough time. We don't even drink all the coffee that's made yet out here. But we are in heaven. So you think there's going to be coffee in heaven? Well, yeah. In fact, um, you know, God created coffee, and, and, and you're supposed to drink it just like he intended. Just about the time you have to chew it, it's just right. Anyway, anyway, you know, who are you looking forward to seeing in heaven? They're going to be there. And, of course, all the saints of God from way back, you know, I, I, one of the reasons I keep encouraging you to read the, the little Old Testament book of Habakkuk is because uh, the prophet Habakkuk's going to be there and you're going to get to meet him and, you know, what you're going to do when he says, how'd you like my book? So, you know, read the book. Read the book. Read the book. Uh, heaven, heaven is better than this life. Because there's rest there, there's worship there, there's meaningful work there, there's fellowship uh, there. Heaven is better than this life, but it makes this life better. It makes this life better. You know, I brought up the old saying last week that people will sometimes say, you Christians are so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And that's kind of a funny thing to say, it's just not true. 
the people who are the most heavenly minded make make life the best for everyone else on earth here and now. Heaven makes life better. Now, C.S. Lewis, in his magnificent book, Mere Christianity, uh, wrote this. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It is because Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. In this one. So, uh, how can the reality of heaven impact my life today? Well, it, how does it make it better today? Well, there are at least five ways that heaven, the reality of heaven, the gift of heaven, makes this life better. Here's the first one. They all deal with a motivation. First of all, it gives me motivation to share my faith effectively. And it'll do the same for you. Jesus said in, in John chapter uh, 14... Verse 5, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, This is what God told us. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I mean, the, the focusing on the truth of heaven is one of the ways that you and I can break through our natural discomfort that most of us have when it comes to sharing our faith with other people. For many of us, it's difficult to talk about things that are deeply uh, personal and very important. And nothing is more important than this issue of how people are saved and get into the kingdom uh, of God. And so I recommend to break through your hesitancy, you spend more time thinking about the reality of heaven and the good gift that you would be giving anyone who heard the message and responded. You're doing one of the greatest things you can do uh, for people. And so uh, heaven makes this life better in that it motivates me to share my faith more effectively. It also motivates me to use my finances wisely. Jot that down. Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen, Don't store treasures for yourself here on earth where moths and rust will destroy them and thieves can break in and steal them. But store your treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust and where thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your treasure is. So how do we... How do we store treasure in heaven? How do we best use our, uh, our finances here in this earth? We, we invest them in the things that will last. People. The salvation of people. The spiritual growth and transformation of followers of Jesus. Investing in life-changing ministries that have an effect for uh, eternity. It's a wise way to use your money. So heaven is better than this life, but it makes this life better uh, by motivating me to share my faith wisely, by using my finances uh, wisely and effectively. And third... It motivates me to assist the poor compassionately. And it'll do the same for you. Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 25, verses th- beginning in verse 34, Jesus, speaking of the, the end of all things, paints this scene. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, come. 
You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, it's striking that in this passage that rewards in heaven, you know, we talked about those last week a little bit, that rewards in heaven are handed out to those who cared for the unnoticed in this world and the under-resourced in this world and the poor uh, and sick in this world. This is the motivation. Heaven is the motivation for our church that caused us in 1998 to begin our ministry called the Real Life Center. That's why we did it. And it's what keeps our church at it 20 years later. Uh, It's the motivation behind serving our own church family members when you find yourself under-resourced or in crisis. It's our motivation for serving our our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens in Fayette and uh, Coweta County when they find themselves in a crisis and under-resourced. None of us are immune to difficult times. Most of us in this room have lived long enough to know that disaster and poverty is just about three or four steps away from here, from where we are. Right now, we've all experienced this. We've seen it. None of us are immune. Uh, Fayette County, last time we checked, has a population of 109,495 people. That may not be a surprise to you. So, well, I thought that's about where we were. What may be a surprise to you is to know that 7.14% of our population live below the poverty level here in the Magic Kingdom. Here in the county that has the highest per capita income in the state. That means that approximately 7,817 people in our county live below poverty level. That means out of a family, a household of four people, uh, they have uh, uh, an income less than $25,100 a year. Just cannot make ends um, meet. This does not include the working poor, which means the people living just above that level, who are making money, but they are not able to save and prepare for surprises. Let's not even call them disasters. All of a sudden, the car breaks down. Well, they can't afford to get it repaired, lose their ability to get to work, lose their job. It doesn't even include the thousands who are just right there on uh, the line. And so our church has taken this on from the mandate of Scripture And out of the motivation of heaven, and again, we're 20 years into being really serious about this. And so when when someone of you, as many of us have, out of our own church family, 
come to our church and our ministry, the Real Life Center for help. Someone in the community comes for help. Uh, and we provide food and clothing, which on the average uh, equals approximately $9,000 a year in value for every client that comes, every person we serve, we're investing, our church is investing about $9,000 a year in food and clothing on the average. And then when we help with emergency bills to keep transportation and stay a, stay under a, a roof, uh, life is able to get back on its feet. And then we enter into a one-year life discipleship process, not only dealing with spiritual health and walking with Christ, but uh, train, just helping with goals and, and education and life classes to help financial coaching and budgeting, job training, just to help get life back in order, all in the name of Jesus, all based on biblical truth, all gospel-centered. Uh, uh, heaven is the motivation for that. that. That's what keeps us at it. That's the motivation that's uh, causing us, hopefully, by the end of the summer, we will begin construction just right out here across from the orchard on our, a 13,000-square-foot uh, facility for our Real Life Center to bring it finally, after 12 or 13 or 14 years, back onto the campus where we can better serve people in the name of Christ. Heaven has motivated our church to stay at that. And I want to say, wait a, yay God and yay you. Now, i got some really good news to announce to you this morning, and it's this. We have all the money we need to pay for that building. And it's in your wallet. Gotcha. So, offering baskets passed in just a minute. Annie up. Yeah, I'll give you a lead time now. Lead time now. But, but heaven... Heaven motivates us to serve the poor compassionately. And we're going to keep doing that. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Heaven. Heaven motivates us to do good deeds now. Now. You know, heaven is better than this life, but it makes this life better. Also, because it helps us endure our suffering faithfully. The scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 4, so we do not give up. Because of our view of heaven, when we're suffering, we don't give up. We do not give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker. No kidding. Anybody can get <laughs> some of you about my age? Yeah, thank you, Harry. Some of my about my my old bodies are getting older and weaker, but our spirit inside us is made new every day. We have small troubles for a while now, but they are helping us gain an eternal glory that is much greater than the troubles. We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. What we see will last only a short time. But what we cannot see will last forever. Heaven makes this life better because it motivates and enables us to endure suffering in this life faithfully. And finally, there's a fifth aspect. Heaven 
gives us the motivation for easing our anxieties, our worries successfully. Listen to God's word in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ arose from the dead, that means when you placed your faith in Christ, you, the Bible describes you as moving from death to life, real life. Since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ arose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. Now that's why one of the reasons I recommend that you start your day with God in prayer and his word before you pick up your smartphone. Don't open up the phone and see what's on Facebook before you get out of bed. It's uh, When you do that, and I know you do because I do it. When you do, do you feel inspired for the day? After, I mean, just one thing. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. No, start. Don't spend your time worrying about all these little piddling things down here. Feel, let heaven fill your thoughts and you'll be better able to help people with the things that are down here. Now, I imagine some of you have not taken a summer vacation yet. And I just imagine that some of you have a magnificent vacation planned sometime in the upcoming month of July. I already heard from some of you today. Going to be gone. We got this great trip planned. Um, I, I don't imagine that you, how many of you are going to wait until July to begin thinking about the trip? No, 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 no. You, you start, you were already enjoying the trip now. You started enjoying the trip when you started making plans weeks or months ago. Yeah, we're going to go here, and we're going to do that, and we're going to have fun, and this is where who's going to be with us, and we're going to eat this. You know, how many, I, I start thinking about what I'm going to eat. Anybody else? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, 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 you had, it, your vacation in July is already enriching your life now. Does that make sense? When you look forward to the gift of heaven, as the Bible describes it, it brings a great sense of anticipation and joy here and now. Here and now. I mean, the Bible even describes in heaven something called the great marriage feast of the Lamb. Food again. So you can't even look forward to what you're going to eat there. But look forward to heaven making preparations to go. Plan to go. Last week I challenged you at the very start of this series to set the powerful goal of going to heaven. Set a goal. Make it, make it your plan. Make it your intention. Do it on purpose. And you'll find that heaven, the thought of heaven there, will already make your life better here and everyone else's. Now I want to give you some practical steps Look at your note sheet in your bulletin. One of the spiritual practices that we teach here and that Christians who've been wise in walking with God over the last 2,000 years have practiced is the reading and the out loud biblical affirmations of spiritual truth. 
Not just scriptures, but the truth that we find in scriptures. And I'm, I want to give you some that will help you begin focusing on uh, the gift of heaven. Now, here's what I recommend that you do. Read aloud. Here's your assignment. Here's your homework. Read these aloud each day this next week. Now, you may want to continue it for two weeks. You may want to continue it for a month. You may decide, you know... I need some training and some forming. This is going to be a part of the start of my day for the whole next year. And here they are. Let me read them aloud. You read this first. Because I am in Christ. Because none of this is true for you if you are not in Christ. If you're not yet a Christian, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, none of these things are true for you. And so I'd encourage you to become one, to follow Jesus. But you Christians read this. Because I am in Christ... God's plan for me will never change. My salvation is safe and secure in heaven where nothing can destroy it. When God comes for me, I will go with him to the home he carefully and lovingly has been preparing for me. Nothing can ever separate me from his love. No pain, no suffering, no tragedy, no hardship, no demon, no horrible mistake on my part. Nothing. I will spend my days learning to love and trust Him. I will be His arms and hands of compassion to fellow human beings. And someday, I will join millions of other believers in His presence. And together, we will worship Him. We will sing with the angels, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Read those out loud every day at the beginning of your day. Pray with me. And you may want to pray this prayer along with me from your heart, if this expresses the attitude of your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I don't want to live one moment longer with doubt about whether I'll be in heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to tell me the good news that you love me and you want to welcome me into your eternal home. Instead of trusting in what I can do to get me to heaven, I trust in the way you have provided through faith in your death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. I ask you to apply it to me. I give myself to you. You become my Savior and forgive me. You become my Lord and lead me. I ask today that you would help me to see the problems and worries of this life in light of the hope of heaven. I trust that there will come a day when you will remove our suffering. And when you will write every injustice and when you multiply every joy. As I look forward to the promise of heaven, I'm deciding today to invest my life in eternity for this next year. I want to use the gifts and abilities that you've given me to do more than just build a good life for myself I want to live for that which lasts forever. In the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. 
I thank you that you have made a place for us. And one day you will come and receive us so that we may be where you are. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.